0: Uh, my sermon comes from John, the 10th chapter, these words. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Good morning. Greetings and peace in the name of Jesus, who is our resurrected Lord. Have you ever been flocked? Raise your hand if you've been flocked by the youth group here. Now, you know what it happens because you wake up in the morning, there's about 25 of those pink flamingos, plastic flamingos planted in your yard. So the morning it happened, I went into Cassidy's office and said, okay, how much do I owe? And she goes, you owe nothing. Somebody else paid to have them planted into your yard, so I've been flocked. So whoever did that, thank you, okay? And by the way, if you ever want to uh, give someone a treat, you can pay to have all those pink flamingos put into what? Somebody else's yard, and they have been flocked, okay? Now, on a more serious note, have you ever been flocked? I mean, I mean taken advantage of? Ever made a bad business deal? Been involved in a bad relationship where somebody flocked you? You ever bought into a scheme or a scam and thought it was honest and decent and you been flocked? Or maybe you buy a stock that just didn't turn out. you been somewhat flocked. Friends in Christ, arguably the greatest way that people get flocked is when they buy into other people's gossip. Or they pick up some other person's bad attitude. And they themselves can have a bad attitude about something. They have been flocked. They've been Wrongly influenced by somebody else. In our modern day of cynicism, we don't know exactly who to trust. We feel we've been flocked by our leaders, our governmental leaders. We're not sure what to trust, what we see, and who, what they say. Is it trustworthy or not? In many ways, I think we live in a world where we all believe that we have been flocked in one way or another. I like to share with you some stories when I think about being flocked, and some are humorous. Uh, spoiler alert, the movie U.S. Marshals, uh, the opening scene is based upon something that really happened. Uh, the, the, the task of a U.S. Marshal is, uh, is to attain um, fugitives who are uh, they're under warrant for arrest. Now one way they did this is they went into a community and they believed they knew where all the people were who needed to be arrested, and they sent them all a letter inviting them for a free chicken dinner to go. And they gave them a coupon for that. And they knew who the people were. And in order to get your meal, uh, you had to bring your driver's license. And so uh, these are really FBI agents and the United States marshals who are dressed up like chicken. They give out chicken samples. And when the fugitives came in, uh, they took off their, their disguise and they got arrested. Talk about being what? Flocked. Uh, in 1985, that worked in Washington, D.C. A hundred fugitives were arrested. The gimmick was that um, the Washington Redskins were playing the Super Bowl that year. And if you showed up and you brought the ticket with you, and you brought your driver's license, you could win a free ticket to see the Washington Redskins play in the Super Bowl and even possibly register to sign up for a drawing to win a trip to New Orleans. And how many fugitives got arrested? 101. They wanted to do that in Cleveland and Detroit, but they never made the Super Bowl, so that doesn't work there, okay? Maybe one day it might, all right? arguably one of the most famous flockings, I'm not sure how many of you realize this, maybe you have. Orson Welles had a radio uh, program called Mercury Theater on Air. Now, for those of us maybe not old enough to remember, or maybe some of us who are old enough to remember, there was a day and age when there wasn't television, right? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand if you remember those days. And TVs would be these really big, heavy consoles. They were in black and white. There was four channels, remember? I was the remote, okay? Dad told me. It. But anyways, back then it was the radio people listened to, and radio shows provided the entertainment. There was a radio show by Orson Welles called the Mercury Theater on Air, and on October 30th, he had a show that uh, the Martians were invading Earth. Now, what made it realistic is that people got off of work, uh, they began listening to his show, and Orson Welles inserted in his show uh, bulletin alerts and special announcements and every couple of minutes in his show, he had another bulletin alert where the Martians were attacking in New York City. And it really caused a panic on the eastern seaboard. People didn't know that it was a theater. They thought it was what? Real. True story. Talk about being what? Flocked. Yes. Arguably, one of the most famous and yet saddest flockings of all took place in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember God put Adam and Eve there? And they walked with God among in the cool of the day. And there he put him in a perfect world. He made everything that was good. And he told him, you may eat of any fruit of the tree in any, in most of the garden, except you may not eat of the fruit of the tree. that's in where? In the middle, because then you will surely die. And hence came the deceiver. And they got flocked. They got duped. With a lie that still works today. Well, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit, because when you do, you will become like who? God. That is a flocking that still works today. Many people believe that they still get to call the shots. And they still get to be God. Now our Lord tells us about flocking. He says, "Be aware of wolves wearing what sheep clothing. Be aware of those who seem to be innocent and kind, yet they're not. They look one way, but they're really another." And friends in Christ, the only way to know if they're a wolf or a sheep is you have to look at their feet you have to look at what they stand on. Wolves stand on bad attitudes and gimmicks, and real sheep stand on God's word. Beware of wolves in sheep clothing. Now, Jesus is our good shepherd. Now, we all heard that many times, so to us, we sort of used to it. We begin inundated with it. But Jesus says that he's a good shepherd among people who question if he really is a good shepherd or not. He's amongst antagonists who wonder what type of shepherd he is. So when Jesus says he's a good shepherd, he means that. He's not someone who's into flocking people. Matter of fact, he's quite the opposite. He desires people to become part of his flock. He is a good shepherd. You see, today there's all sorts of modern day flocking. Not all but many. There's all sorts of religious programs out there in which we can become flocked. A high cholesterol spiritual diet of hype, too much law and morality, feel-good religion, and every day can be your best day. They flock because that's a very attractive thing to say. It's not true. It's a sad mixture of not properly understanding law and gospel, of seeing Jesus more as a gimmick than the eternal Savior of the world, of maybe promising us things in our lives they can never do, and people get flocked by that. Jesus tells us there will be trials and tribulations to pick up our cross and that He alone grants eternal life. Now, I'm not saying everything they say is wrong or don't listen to them, but be careful. It's a high cholesterol diet. In some ways, if we don't know any better, we can be flocked ourselves. Instead, we're called to look to the Good Shepherd. So, on this Good Shepherd Sunday, I'd like us all to realize that Jesus says He is our Good Shepherd. That doesn't mean much to us because most of us don't tend sheep. But we are the sheep of his pasture. What does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd makes sure that his flock is fed? That his flock is protected? And yes, ultimately, that the flock is taken to where it needs to be. A good shepherd understands that other people know his reputation. If he takes good care of his sheep, if his sheep are out wandering around. So when Jesus says he's a good shepherd, he's talking about you and I. He feeds us his sheep. He protects us, his sheep, and his desire is that us sheep might ultimately get to heaven with him. So let's look to what the good Dr. Martin Luther says about our good shepherd. The good shepherd feeds the flock and protects the flock. Can you read with me? These sheep of our Lord are not only instructed, guided, refreshed, strengthened by God's word, but they also continuously kept on the right path Protected in body and soul in all kinds of distress. And finally, they conquer and overcome all trial and sorrow. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. If you read that, did you see the 23rd Psalm behind that? And did you hear it, friends in Christ, that our Good Shepherd sees us through all trials, through all tri- tribulation, and through distress? He is there with us leading us. He is our good shepherd. Now he also talks about under shepherds, those who take care of your spiritual welfare. He talks about earthly shepherds. Can you read that with me? A preacher must both be a soldier and a shepherd. He must nourish, defend, and teach. He must have teeth in his mouth and be able to bite and fight. Well, that doesn't sound very encouraging, pastor has teeth in his mouth and bites and fights. Well, if we only understand the good shepherd of hanging out with sheep, then we sort of misunderstand a shepherd. Good shepherds are tough customers. They carry with them the shepherd's staff that is meant to hit. It pulls wayward um, sheep in. Do you remember King David who killed Goliath? He was a shepherd boy. How did he kill Goliath with a what? Yeah. A decent shepherd in the Old Testament in Jesus' day knew how to use the slingshot. They carried clubs with iron and other heavy metals inside of it to fight off all sorts of beasts. Now when it says that a pastor must bite and fight, that doesn't mean that a pastor is to be rude and crude and crass, but he must be willing to stand up for the truth and to look out for his flock and speak out for what's best. He must be willing to fight for what's best for everyone. That's what Luther intends by that. Jesus is our good shepherd who is just not kind and fluffy, but he's our good shepherd who is willing and able to defend against bad adversaries. He is our good shepherd. Let's talk about that some more. Jesus knows our name. Can you read that with me? I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. They follow him. They know his voice. We know his voice when we hear his word. We know his voice when we hear the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know his voice as our confirmant and their parents shared with us precious Bible verses and who they are with God in their baptism and their hope. We know his voice and he knows our name. Last week I had an account in the Peoria area that I need to deal with. And so I called up the owner. I told the owner, this is Kurt News. Do you remember me? And she laughed and says... Of course I know who you are. You're my client. I could never forget you. Not mind, okay? You see, Jesus knows our name. He never forgets us. We're more than his client. We are sheep in his pasture. We live in his pen. He's a good shepherd who protects and feeds us. He's vested into us. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. When he sees the wolf coming, he will abandon the sheep. You see, Jesus is a good shepherd who never abandons us. He's invested, invested in us. When I think about Jesus being invested in us, I think about wisdom he has, and I think about the love of a, a mother has for her infant child. Do you know who King, wise King Solomon is? In one of King Solomon's wisest moves, he's approached by two mothers who are fighting over the same infant child. They both believe that they're the mother. Now, this is before the day of DNA testing. There's no way to know for sure. And so each mother is frantically saying, I'm the mother of this infant child. So King Solomon makes a very wise gesture. It might sound odd. King Solomon says this Hand me the infant child. I'll tear, no offense, I'll tear the infant child in half, and each mother can have a half. And at that, one of the mothers who claimed to be mothers began yelling and saying, no, no, don't harm my baby, don't harm the baby, give it to her, just make sure the baby's protected. Right then and there, King Solomon knew who the true mother was. Who's the true mother? Say it. The one who was willing to give it to the other as long as it's safe. The mother was invested in the well-being of that child. Your good shepherd, our good shepherd is invested in us. He cares about us. It's just not a job. It's just not a paycheck. He really does care. We all heard this. Nobody knows, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you what? Yeah, Jesus is a good shepherd for us. Also, he's not selfish. He's not there for a paycheck. He doesn't work to live, he lives to work. He's a good shepherd. Can you read the Bible verse with me? Greater love has no one. Then lay down his life for a friend. See, he's a different type of shepherd. A good shepherd is willing to die for the sheep, for the owner and the master. You see, God is the owner and the master, and Jesus is a good shepherd. And he's willing to lay down his life for us. Think about this. The good shepherd becomes a sheep to die for a sheep that we might have an eternal relationship with the shepherd. Let me say it again. The good shepherd becomes a sheep so he can die for his sheep that us sheep might have an eternal relationship with a good shepherd. He loves us that much. What else about our good shepherd? He lays down his life how? Freely. No one could put Jesus on the cross. He did it himself. We all heard it wasn't nails that held Jesus to the cross but his love for us. What else about our good shepherd? Well, Our good shepherd is a stalker. That sounds rather odd. No, he does. He literally does stalk us. He hides in the bushes and the trees, and he follows us on our paths, whether good paths or bad paths. How do we know that? It says this. Surely goodness and mercy shall what? Follow me all the days of my life. And so Jesus is a stalker. He follows us when we're on good paths and bad paths. He cares about us, his sheep. And sometimes we're in a bad path who put obstacles there, who bring people there to warn us you're on the bad path. But no offense, he does stalk us. He cares for us that we might be faithful until the point of death. Here's our good shepherd. He knows our name. He's invested in us. He's willing to lay down his life for us. He lays down his life freely for us and he stalks us. Why? Because he loves us dearly. He's a good shepherd, friends in Christ. None of this would matter unless he's resurrected. And as resurrected, Lord, he's our divine shepherd. He's more than just a good teacher. If Jesus wasn't resurrected, it wouldn't matter if he's a good shepherd. He's just another shepherd. But he's our divine shepherd who knows all of us and all things. His ultimate goal is that one day all believers in the world will be part of that one flock. Will there be only Lutherans in heaven, or Baptists, or Catholics, or Presbyterians? The question's mute. It doesn't matter. All who believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all who know Jesus died for their sins, are part of that one flock. The one holy Christian church that you and I confess every Sunday in the creeds, there's one flock. We're all part of his flock. Even though we look differently and we speak different languages, we're still part of that one flock. Don't be flocked. Don't buy into bad doctrine and philosophies. Read the word. Come to church. Read your catechism. Pray for one another. Grow in your faith. Look at the cross daily. Pray and forgive. Let the good shepherd feed you. Don't be flocked, but be part of the flock. Can you read the final verse with me? I am the good shepherd and the gate. Whoever enters through me, will be saved. He is our good shepherd. So this for our closing thought. We sung it before. Let's read it and place it in our hearts. Together, who so happy as I am, even now the shepherd's lamb, and when my short life is ended, by his angel hosts attended, he shall fold me to his breast, there within his arms to rest. As God's sheep and all God's people say, Amen.